0: You're listening to Crossroads International Church Podcast. Welcome. We hope this podcast will bless you from wherever you're listening to it. For more information, go to our website at xrgs.nl. And now, let's get into the podcast. Today, I want to talk to you about Renault Cup Tours. Yes, the car. My car. Sitting out in the parking lot. It's orange with a white top. But hey... It looked red online, and it was the pandemic, and it was on a discount. So when we got there, we were like, oh, I guess we'll buy this car. We checked with some Dutch friends to make sure that culturally we weren't doing something offensive by having the king's color. So, but I've never seen a Renault before in the US, Uh, though I took French, so I knew what it was. But all of a sudden, I began to see it everywhere. Everywhere, the Renault Cup tour. There were red, especially the red one with the black top, because that's the one I wanted. But even on the way here today, I saw one on, on my drive, the red one with a gray top. They were everywhere after I bought the car. Like my Renault Capture, I'm hoping that la- after last week, you are noticing more and more through scripture, how much it talks about the nations and God's heart for the nations. Last week, uh, if you didn't get a chance to see the sermon, I would encourage you to do so. It's meant to complement this week's sermon. Last week, I spoke out of three passages in Revelation, establishing that at the end of God's story, there is diversity and and a multi-ethnic community. That our ethnic cultural identity is eternally identifiable and there is perfect unity and perfect diversity before the throne of God. One thing I wanna talk about Diversity is a big buzzword nowadays, and, you know, we, we have to sort of be careful, but um, it's not exactly like diversity training at work. It's not like diversity training at school. We're not talking about pluralism when we talk about diversity at the end of days. It's not just a mere acceptance of all the good thing of our cultures. The purpose of this diversity, we learned last week, is to worship the one true God and the Lamb on the throne. More glory and honor is given to God when we bring all our diversity into the kingdom. This week I'm gonna go through a few verses that talk about the nations, and like my Renault Cup tour, I hope you start noticing the nations more. I feel like I have to upgrade it to a Tesla, right? Renault Cup tour is so 2016. Everywhere you can see the Tesla. So hopefully you'll see the nations and God's heart for the nations throughout scripture. Um, It's a major theme. It's a bigger theme than we realize. In the New Testament, if you read through the English Bible, the word Gentiles actually is the same word for nations. So when you read Gentile, try putting nation in there and see, see what happens. In the Old Testament, the word for nation is "goy" or goyim. It's plural, the goyim. Uh, it appears over 500 times. I made my husband look it up. Now, there's 929 chapters in the Old Testament so statistically speaking, if you open up to a random passage in the Old Testament, you have about 50% chance that nation or nations, goy or goyim, will show up. Now we will follow this arc of nations through scripture today through two passages. It's going to be a lot of scripture, so I encourage you to pull out your phone, follow me. They'll flash it up, but we can't keep it up the whole time. And so would you strap in with me and let's go through the scripture. But first, let me pray for us first. Lord, we want to receive the riches in your scripture, in your word. Lord, would you open our eyes, would you open our ears, would you make our hearts soft? Lord, we pray your Holy Spirit would would amplify the things that are yours. And Lord, the things that are not yours, would you just let it fade away? Lord, would you work through this weak vessel? May your power Be made perfect in weakness. Would you speak to us? In your name we pray. Amen. Anytime you talk about culture and languages in scripture, the Tower of Babel comes up. Last week, two people came up afterwards to talk to me and, you know, they mentioned the Tower of Babel. The question is, Alice, isn't multiple language a curse according to the Tower of Babel? So let's dig into it today. Read with me, um, if you can pull out your phones or your scripture. Um, Genesis 11, 1 to 9. Now the whole world had one language and a common speech. As people moved eastward, they found a plain in Shinar and settled there. They said to each other, come, let's make bricks and bake them thoroughly. They used brick instead of stone, tar for mortar. Then they said, come, let us build for ourselves a city with a tower that reaches to the heavens, so that we may make a name for ourselves. Otherwise, we will be scattered throughout the face of the whole earth. But the Lord came down to see the city and the tower the people were building. The Lord said, if one people speaking the same language, they have begun to do this, then nothing they plan will do to do will be impossible for them. Come, let us go down and confuse their language so that they will not understand each other. So the Lord scattered them from there over all the earth. They stopped building the city. That is why it is called Babel. Because there the Lord confused the language of the whole world. From there, the Lord scattered them over the face of the whole earth. The Tower of Babel is a story that's right after the flood, right after Noah, where it started listing the genealogy of Noah. In verse one, it sets the scene. There's only one language, and then at two, we see we're in Mesopotamia, in the land of Shinar, it's in the Middle East. And they use bricks and mortar to build this tower. It's a huge tower. It's a tower that reaches to the heavens. What does it look like? When I research towers in in Mesopotamia, it's actually, people think it's actually a ziggurat. Ziggurats were seen as sacred mountains by which the god descended on earth. Many of them had a room on top and a bed so that the gods or a god can come down, chill, and conveniently bless the city and bless the people while they're at it. It was a temple to the gods. But it's interesting here that this, these people made it so blatant that it's about their own glory, about their own name, that it's, the tower is not even for the gods. It's not even for any deity. It's not even for the one true God. It's to make a name for themselves. It's not for religious enlightenment. This build, they built this tower to the heavens to elevate themselves to be equal to the gods. In verse 4, we continue. Right? Um, why do they build this tower? The other reason was so that they would not scattered. They would not be scattered over the face of the whole earth. It's ambiguous from the text as to exactly why they don't want to be scattered or split up. One of the reasons is that there's safety in numbers. It's safer to be in a city. Today, sometimes we think cities are more dangerous, but historians have believed that a lot of times ancient cities were built as protection against outsiders. It's for their protection. Leaving the security and comforts of home are difficult. There's glory in more people, more numbers. So the more scattered you are, the more vulnerable you are. And maybe you receive less glory. So the people built this tower in service of their pride, make a name for themselves, and their protection to not be scattered. We move on to verse five. The Lord comes down to inspect this tower to take a look. Biblical writers seem to be showing an irony here. Let us build this tower to the heavens. It's gonna be big, it's gonna be tall, it's gonna be a skyscraper, it's gonna be impressive. And the Lord is like, we have to go down and find this tower. Where is this? Where is this anthill that they're trying to build? So the Lord descends to find this supposedly tall, big tower. And then in verse 6, we see um, that the Lord um, has some thoughts and comments on this. Now, verse 6 has been sort of problematic in the past. If you read it directly, it sounds like the God is like, Oh, no, if we don't stop them, they'll become omnipotent somehow. And I think what it really means is not that, that the man will become omnipotent, that it's actually there will be no limits to what they plan to do. So, in this commentary by Wenham, it clarifies this translation to be a little more clear. There's actually a few translations out there that uses this. It says, this is the beginning of their activity. Now, lest nothing they plot to do be beyond them. So that together in their pride and protection with their human arrogance, it would be too easy for them to keep achieving and increasing their evil plots. Nothing would be beyond them to plan. So nothing impossible doesn't mean that they'll become all powerful. It's more that they will keep escalating. They'll keep doing it, and it won't stop. They will keep doing bad things. Nothing evil will be impossible for them to think up and to do. They will plot evil in a monumental scale. And so we see here, in the Tower of Babel, that there is a uni- unity, a uniformity, that causes evil. So God stops the spreading of this evil from getting bigger. In verse 7 and 9, it says, God confuses their language and scatters them. The Tower of Babel is an interesting when you look at it from a perspective of unity and diversity. We see the brokenness of a uniformity, unity, and diversity. In this story, people use their unity or, to, to accomplish evil. The uniformity here corrupted and caused pride and brokenness. The diversity divided the people, they scattered, and they were no longer together, and they could not do evil anymore. So the question remains, is multiple languages a curse? The Lord confuses their language. Why? One thing to notice here in this passage is the curse is nowhere to be found. It doesn't say curse. I think the focus should be more actually on the word scattering. It says it over three times, scattering. They were afraid to be scattered over the face of the earth. The Lord scatters them, verse 8. And then he says it again, the Lord scatters them, verse 9. What if the Tower of Babel was as much about people refusing to be scattered to fill the earth as it is about the language? Because what did God command Adam and Eve, the first commandment ever given he said, it says in Genesis 1:28, God blessed them, Adam and Eve, and said to them, be fruitful, multiply, and fill the earth. And then it's repeated to Noah, two chapters before this one, after the flood. And God blessed Noah and his sons and said to them, be fruitful and multiply, and fill the earth. They were blessed to be a blessing to others. They were blessed to be a blessing to the nations. The desire not to scatter was defiance of what the Lord has commanded them to do. The pursuit of pride and protection prevented them from filling the earth. The pursuit of pride and protection prevented them from filling the earth. There is blessing in filling the earth that they did not see. It was God's commandment. Now, what if the multiple language is not a curse, but a corrective? If there is a punishment here, I think it's the confusion of the languages, not the diversification of languages. The confusion of language, not the diversification of language. The confusion is what is negative, not the diversity. God is merely forcing mankind to do what he asked in the first place. It was also for their own good, as well as the good of mankind, that they would follow God's direction. Uh, Church Father Jerome says it this way, the dispersion was a true benefit even to those who were dispersed. So multiple languages are not a curse, but it is a vehicle for the resumption of God's commandment to fill the earth. Multiple language is not a curse. It is a vehicle for the resumption of God's commandment to fill the earth. Now, you might say, Alice, I'm still a little skeptical, not quite sure, you know. Well, let's go to the New Testament, the other place where it talks a lot about languages, Pentecost. Now, many people think Pentecost is a reversal of Babel. Pentecost is a reversal of Babel. So let's read and let's figure out what does it really say. When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Suddenly, a sound like a blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting they saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came down and rest on them all of them were filled with the holy spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the spirit enabled them now they were staying in jerusalem now they were staying in jerusalem god-fearing jews from every nation under heaven when they heard this sound a crowd came together in bewilderment because each one heard their own language being spoken Utterly amazed, they ask, aren't all these who are speaking Galileans? Then how is it that each of us hears them in our own native tongues Parthians, Medes, and Elamites, residents of Mesopotamia, Judea and Cappadocia, Pontus in Asia, Phrygia and Pamphylia, Egypt, and the parts of Libya near Cyrene, visitors from Rome, both Jews and converts to Judaism, Cretans and Arabs. We hear them declaring the wonders of God in our own tongues. The Holy Spirit comes in tongues of fire on the apostles and the disciples, and they began to speak in other languages. The folks from every nation under heaven heard their own language being spoken. Let me show you a map of where everybody is from. This list of cities actually is every direction around Jerusalem, north, south, east, west of Jerusalem. It represents all the known world at that time right? Verse 5, every nation under heaven was there. Scattered people from all of the world came together, not to build a city, but to receive the Holy Spirit, to receive the gospel, and to go back to their hometowns. We hear them declaring the wonders of God in our own tongue. And so I see this as not a reversal of Babel. If languages were a curse, let's say Multiple languages were a curse. And then Pentecost is the reversal of that. What would have happened? Everybody would have spoken one language. But here we see that everyone came together to speak one multiple language. And what we see in Pentecost is God doesn't get rid of diversity of language. He gets rid of the confusion. Look at me with this chart. Babel languages bring confusion. Pentecost, language brings understanding. Babel, God scatters the people all over the world. Pentecost, scattered people will scatter further to spread the gospel, to bring the kingdom of people, the kingdom to people in every corner of the earth. Languages in Babel are used to promote a human agenda. Let's make a name for ourselves. Pentecost, language is used as a sign to announce the mighty works of God. The wonders of God is declared. Babel results in disunity. Pentecost results in unity. It's emphasized over and over again. The disciples will speak different languages. Pentecost is not going to the way, back to the way things were, but ushering in a more beautiful picture of what God intended. Unity and diversity. Babel shows us the brokenness of unity and diversity. Here, God redeems both by using the Holy Spirit to unify the diversity of cultures from around the world. Here, we see yet another picture of unity that does not corrupt, and diversity that does not erase or divide. And so through this, the filling of the earth has started to come true. God continues to bless his people through the Holy Spirit so they can be a blessing to the nations. How did this happen? We need to make sure that right before Pentecost, what happened? Jesus. Jesus leaves his pride and protection, does the opposite of pride and protection. He leaves the glory and honor, his very nature, God, to become a man, taking the nature of a servant. He leaves the protection and glory of heaven to come to earth, and not only does he come to earth, he is subjected to the most embarrassing, most shameful thing on earth to be nailed on the cross. We see in Acts 2 later in twenty three thirty three, Peter actually summarizes to say Jesus is crucified and killed by the hands of lawless men. But God raised him, resurrected him from the death, and now he is exalted on the throne of God. The lamb is on the throne. The sacrificed lamb is on the throne. And he poured out the promise of the Holy Spirit unto his people. So here we see the pouring out of the Holy Spirit. It is only through Jesus and the Holy Spirit that the filling of the earth will be accomplished. Jesus says he won't come again until all the nations have heard. So it's interesting in Acts after Pentecost, we see actually a good example of of unity in Acts 2, 42 and 47. You can check that out. where they shared everything in common and people came to know Jesus, right? People were coming and they were seeing the wonders of God and and people were added to them each day. Interestingly, though, if you keep going in Acts, it actually doesn't go as well, right? Uh, the church struggles with this filling the earth commandment. Why should we include Gentiles? You know, we are better than Gentiles. Our pro- the Israelites felt, the Jews there in early church felt a little pride, like we are better than Gentiles. Lord, thank you that I'm not a Gentile. Um, And then there's protection too. See, you see the Jewish people were a marginalized, oppressed people. So reaching the Gentiles felt a little like, "Mm, why would we do that? Um, And so they actually, the early church struggled with a pride and protection. And it's, they don't quite do it, perfectly after Pentecost and after the good unity so a side note here I want to say if you are visiting here if you're you know um, just checking out Jesus and you've been hurt by a Christian group's pride and protection I want to apologize to you it is not the way God meant it to be and sometimes it's like Babel where it's actually like evil but sometimes it's actually like acts where people are trying, trying to do good things but really can't do it right. And that's why we need Jesus. And my hope is that you look to Jesus, who does the pride and protection, the opposite of pride protection, well. So I want to apologize. And, and also, if I'm praying that Jesus will bring healing if you felt hurt by a Christian community, by the church, uh, through pride and protection. And so we keep moving on in Acts. The interesting thing is in Acts 7 to 9, there's another force scattering. Persecution happens to the church, and they are forced to scatter away from Jerusalem. And I'm so grateful for the people who actually went out to fill the earth, whether by choice or by force scattering. See, Philip, in the persecution, talked to the Ethiopian eunuch, and therefore we have the Ethiopian church one of the oldest branches of Christianity. Thomas, Doubting Thomas, the apostle, um, went to southern India, and so that's why there's a huge Indian Christian community in the south of India. Paul went to Macedonia to bring the gospel to the Gentiles in Europe, and that's why many of us are here today, because Paul went out. He did the call to fill the earth. I am a fourth generation Christian in my mom's side, because someone heeded the call to fill the earth my mom's side were fishermen they only lived in bo- fishermen boats in hong kong um, in sao Gaiwan. they you know my mom didn't have a boat didn't have a house on land they only lived in boats and it was a village fisherman village where you know everything was in boats there's a boat church there were like markets in boats there were restaurants in boats and so my great-grandfather had lost a number of children at this point, and my grandfather became ill, his last son. And so they tried everything, all the doctors, and out of desperation, they brought them to these missionaries. These missionaries who were reaching the boat, peop- the fishermen in Hong Kong. And they prayed over my grandfather, and he was healed. And therefore, my great-grandfather, his family, and his brother were the first Christians in this boat, in this um, fisherman village. Most of us here are the result of people who heeded the call to fill the earth. Because of Jesus who let go of his pride and protection, we also, as his followers, can let go of our pride and protection to fill the earth. Now, the direct application to Tower of Babel is don't build a ziggurat, right? But I don't think anyone here is planning to build a ziggurat. So the question for us is, how have we pursued pride and protection, which prevents us from filling the earth? How have we pursued pride and protection, which prevents us from filling the earth? My own story, real quick. Uh, In the Old Testament, actually, when it says to fill the earth, it means to have kids. Uh, In the New Testament, we know it's about spiritual children also. My husband and I are celebrating our 25th anniversary this June, but our oldest child is 17. Do you know why? I did not want to have kids. For seven years? No, thank you. No kids. I refuse to fill the earth that way. (laughs) You know why? I work with college students. I've been in ministry, college ministry for 20 years. Guess what are the most painful hurts that college students bring up when they're in college? It's hurts from parents. And I was like, no, thank you. I will definitely scar them. And even if somehow I did it right, there's no guarantees they will they'll come out okay. So it's for protection. And maybe there's some pride in there too. Like, oh, what if other people see my messed up kids? So for pride and protection, I was like, no. No children. And you know what happened? I almost audibly from the Lord heard from the Lord. He's like, "What? Do you think I can't fix the mistakes you make? Do you think I cannot fix the things that go wrong with your children. And I was like, Because oh. what happens, friends, is that when we have pride and protection, what we're really saying is, God, you are not God, you are not powerful, and you don't care. And so I have to protect my own. And so I have this really specific chart um, that I learned in seminary, and because I have control issues. You see, the gray, which is supposed to be a lot bigger, the gray is God's responsibility. The brown is what God has told me is my responsibility. The cream color is actually what I do. So when I don't believe God can do what he says, I will take more. I will do what is His supposed to be his. I will become a mini-messiah. I'll become controlling. I will actually not have children because it's too scary. Now, the other response is to do less than what God has called you to because you know, it's like, it's so scary, I better just do what I know I can do. I'm not going to do take the risk that God calls me to do, or, or do a more risky thing. Both are done for protection. You know, I really think having kids, this diagram is so hard to figure out, because we are supposed to protect our kids, but there are sometimes we overdo it, we try to control all of it, and sometimes we underdo it. So the most important thing here is communication with God, actually. Prayer, to ask God exactly what is my responsibility, what is yours? What do you want me to do? And so what is God saying to you um, about the pride and protection in your life? What is preventing you from filling the earth? Maybe it's literal. God may be calling some of you to an unreached people group, to a certain people to live out this call. Maybe it's someone at work that God has been telling you to share, and you haven't been because of pride and protection. There's a question of corporate pride and protection as a group. What is God um, asking of us as groups, as our life group, even in our people group, as a church as a whole? Uh, Sometimes we want to protect ourselves because it's scary out there. Or we protect ourselves because there's scarce resources. If I share my resources, then I don't get as much. But our God is powerful and big. Um, Sometimes it's shame to the community. Like, if I step out, I'll bring shame to my community, so let's just keep it under control. How have we been blessed to be a blessing to the nation? God has blessed us so much. Now, Crossroads has been doing its part to fill the earth. In this season, what is Crossroads' unique call as a multi-ethnic community to bless the earth, to fill the earth? What is our unique call to bless the people here in Amstelveen, the people here in Amsterdam, in Netherlands, and beyond? In Scripture, we, have, uh, we do see there's this come and see, right? Pentecost is come and see. People from all over the world are coming. So come and see. Come and join us. Come and see the wonders of God. There's also, like the Great Commission, go and tell. Go, tell people. Go, tell people. We have been blessed to bless the nations. Now, if you're unsure what the exact application is, it's definitely not to build a garage, okay? It, go to Monday night prayer meetings. Talk to God. It's the communication. God, what are you calling me to do? I don't want you to go and just do something just to do something, but ask God. There's also a missions prayer meeting at the fourth Sunday of the month at 1330. And so there is actually a group right now who is working to fill the earth based on their gifts and it's actually some people in our prayer team right now is in a paranormal fair Uh, paranormal fair filled with media you know mediums and mystics witch doctors they're there they have a booth they're praying for people who are coming and so i thought as an application i would do something a little different I want us all to be praying for them as they fill the earth. Because you can also pray and fund people who are going out. That's part of doing God's work, too. I want us to pray together for them as they are trying to fill the earth through um, spiritual, spiritually. Now, last week I also said that a true multi-ethnic community, you will be uncomfortable at some point. So I'm going to make us a little uncomfortable, some of us. So, what I want us to do is I actually want us to um, all stand up and pray out loud in one voice. There are communities. Uh, the first time I experienced this was in a Korean church, and I was like, oh, what's going on? Why are people praying all out loud? Why are people so loud? I cannot think. So, um, but I know that my Ghanaian friends they say they pray this way, Brazilian friends, African American friends. I know it's tied to church tradition also. But I also wonder if it's like part of being an expressive culture. In an expressive culture, you can yell, scream, at, and pray out loud to God. In a less expressive culture, more reserved, pray to God silently. So we're going to try this expressive culture thing. You can pray in your mother tongue. If you are uncomfortable, you do not have to join in. Um, if you're new, we don't usually do this. It's just Alice's. <laughs> Alice has tried to let go of her pride and protection and, fa- and hear Jesus. Um, but. At the least, I'm helping you out. It's like a cross. It's like a, a pro tip, tourist pro tip. If you show up in a culture like this, it doesn't scare you, <laughs> like it scared me. But what I hope is that we'll experience meeting God in a different way. So what I want to do is let's. Um, we're gonna all stand up. We're all gonna pray in one one loud voice. Friends from that tradition, sorry for calling you out, but do do what you do at home. Um, if you get distracted, pick. Pick one phrase and repeat it over and over again. Like, Lord, show your power at this fair. Lord, bring your glory. Lord, protect our prayer team as they're just. Just repeat it. And so we're going to stand up. Let's stand up. Let's pray for our prayer team who's out there at this paranormal fair. And let's pray all in one voice together out loud. Father God, we just pray. We pray your protection and your power over them lord we, we ask that you we are thankful that you have called us to fill the earth that you have joined us lord we just ask that you would bring your glory you would create lord we just ask that you cover cover. We protect them, protect the kids protect them protect all of them lord we ask that your goodness and your praise would be known would you make your And honor and praise you? Pardon, we just pray. Father, we just pray. Lord, you are so glorious. You are so amazing. You are so worthy to follow. You are so worthy as you bless us, make us a blessing to our communities, to the people around us to the nations, Lord it is because of your glory and your honor that you enable us to do this Lord we thankful we're thankful for Jesus who gave up his pride and protection to come to redeem us to give us the Holy Spirit and Lord we want to hear we want to listen to the Holy Spirit Lord would you show us what it means for us as a multi-ethnic community to be a witness to be a blessing And Lord, we pray that through all our efforts, you would receive the honor, the glory, the power forever and ever. Amen. Thank you for listening, and we hope that you have a wonderful week. See you next